0: Welcome to Encourage the Believer. Our goal is to share truth and strengthen the body of Christ. Here's Brother Tim Bell to share our encouragement for today. Hello and welcome to Encourage the Believer, a podcast designed to do just that, encourage you as you're going through the day, and I trust that you're having a good day so far. Today, we are going to look into the book of Ruth, and we're going to talk about something that I think that every one of us at one point in time in our Christian walk have struggled with, and uh, I trust that uh, you will uh, join with us and stick with us through these next few moments. Just a couple of things uh, just to remind you that if you do uh, enjoy what we're doing through Encourage the Believer through TPB Ministries, if you would just follow us, uh, spread the word, Like us, uh, let everyone know what we're doing, and um, uh, tell them where we are, Spotify, iHeart, uh, Amazon Music, and so forth. And that way we can uh, reach as many people as we possibly can uh, to encourage them and strengthen the body of Christ. Uh, We also have our second printing with our book, uh, Encouraging the Believer. And if you would like a copy, please make sure that you contact me through direct message in Facebook, and I'll make sure that we can get you a copy right away. Uh, as I said, today is uh, going to be a little bit. Maybe some uh, of us have struggled with this. I, I, you know, I I believe that most people, uh, if they have any kind of emotion, uh, any kind of feeling. <laughs> Uh, we have struggled with this and today's topic is going to be on the word bitterness and it's going to be found in the, the book of Ruth chapter 1 and so let's just dive right into it. Ruth chapter 1 beginning in verse 19, the Bible says, so they two went unto the, uh, un, excuse me, let's back that up. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was stirred because of them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has affected me, afflicted me? In verse 22, So Naomi returned and, testify, uh, and uh, Ruth uh, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Now, I, I've, I've entitled this, our, our little talk, Who Is That? You know, um, there was a friend of mine who told me this story about uh, um, this lady uh, whose husband died, and and uh, when I believe they were in their late fifties, um, they've been looking forward to retiring in a few more years. But uh, her husband died, and after he died, she discovered that he had left her with a terrible financial state, and uh, he had never been a very good money handler. And because he had handled all the finances for their family, um, the extent of his, you know. Uh, money fiascos only became apparent after his death. And so she became furious with him for leaving her in a, in a condition that made her have to work later in life and not be able to retire when she had planned it. And so she had years of loans uh, the, that uh, he had made without her knowledge that she had to pay off. And he had medical insurance uh, but there were thousands of dollars not covered by his insurance because he had made a foolish choice in the insurance he chose. And this anger made, um, uh, you know, at this, uh, uh, you know, this anger for, uh, turned this woman seething, you know, in, in her resentment. And, you know, it, it, it caused this bitterness to just. Eat at this woman at her husband and later uh, against God. And she would say several times, you know, to two different people, Why did God do this to me? It is not fair. Now, I've, you know, with different people, uh, I've heard this uh, in certain circumstances uh, similar to this. And sadly, her bitterness toward her husband and God influenced her relationships with other people. And she had become a very unhappy person to be around. And, you know, so her, her life uh, up until when she passed away was, uh, was the illustration of the danger of doing what Naomi did. Uh, in 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 this story, blaming her circumstances on God and becoming bitter against Him. So, you know, I the right off the top, I want us to to notice something very very telling uh, uh, about this little small passage, this little blip, if you will, uh, in this passage of Scripture that. Um, that causes me to just sit back and picture when Naomi and Ruth were coming back home and she had lost her husband, lost her sons and she's, she's coming back home and the bitterness had so overtaken her that as she's coming back into the city, that the, the, the people, her friends, uh, maybe some relatives were looking, and you know, as she's walking past them. Have you ever, have you ever gone to, you know, different uh, uh, outings, different get-togethers, and you're looking at somebody and you think you know them, but you're not sure. They look familiar, and you know, you know, you 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 kind of whisper to somebody, that, you know, man, that person looks like, and you name them. And little whispers start coming about who, man, who, that looks like Naomi, but I'm not really sure. The bitterness in her life had so changed her, not just, not just emotionally, but physically. Now folks, I'm going to tell you this and you think, well, it doesn't do. Yes, it does. Bitterness can so affect your life when, when, when you allow bitterness to become such a mainstay in your heart, such a mainstay in your mind and in your emotions, it will change everything about you, even your appearance, even your appearance, and that is why they said in the in, in the question, is this. Naomi Is this Naomi? Now think about that. Who is that? And that is that is the that is the crux of what we're talking about today. You know, the the story that I told you about this lady whose husband so messed them up financially and he dies and and she's left with all of this problem and her bitterness Over the next few years, you say, well, he shouldn't have done that. Well, you're probably, that's probably true. You're probably right. He shouldn't have. But to allow the bitterness to so be in your heart and in your mind and to change everything about you, to control everything you think and say to where now you're not, you're not just blaming the person that is, that is. No longer here, but now you're blaming an Almighty God. It's your fault, God. You allowed this to happen. So I, I want to give you I want to give you some thoughts today. And and I hope that we can learn from this this little small microcosm of of what we see in the life of Naomi. First note that God had allowed some bad things to happen in Naomi's life. Earlier in Ruth chapter one, we learned that Naomi's husband died and then her two sons died. And a woman without a man to support her, protect her was a a precarious position in that day, especially being in a foreign land far away from relatives and friends and so we see that God allowed some deep trials in, in, in Ruth's life as well. And why does God allow trials in our lives? You know, well, first thing I could think of four, four things. Uh, first are what I could call consequential trials, and that is those are the things that are the, the harvest of our own actions. You know, Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For instance, if you are sexually immoral, you'll have at least a guilty conscience. You may damage or destroy your marriage, and you may even uh, uh, and you may you know even contract a sexually transmitted diseases. If you go deep into debt, you do not save for a rainy day. You may find yourself in in deep financial crisis. In teens, if you're promiscuous before marriage, you may find yourself facing a teen pregnancy. These kinds of things are not God's fault or, or or you know direct actions on his part. If we make wrong choices. Now listen, if we make wrong choices, we'll experience the natural consequences of those actions. And we can hardly place the blame for these things that God's feet at God's feet since we are the authors of our own autobiographies correct so the second thing is that that um, second are the, the trials that uh, I would call corrective trials that is trials God allows as discipline to correct a sin or wrong habit in our lives if if we do not take care of sin or sinful habits through confession God wants to put us back on the right road and he does so by disciplining us. You know, look at Hebrews chapter twelve, verses five and six, and it says here, "And ye have forgotten the exhortation that speaks to you, as sons. My son, do not despise the discipline of the Lord, or be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him." In verse six, "For whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, and chast- and chastises every son whom He receives." So, so you see, God loves us. Too much to allow us to to continue in actions that will harm us, so he lovingly allows trials into our lives to cause us to examine our lives and make actions to change our behavior and attitudes. and And what is the what is the end result? Well, look at verse eleven in Hebrews. Now, no discipline for the present is pleasant but painful nevertheless after it it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those which are trained by it and the third thought here is what i call constructive trials trials god allows in our lives to make us better people to build his character in us or make us to be more dependent on him psalms 119 67 says this before i was afflicted i went astray but now i keep thy word and the psalmist tells us in psalm one nineteen seventy it is good for me that i have been afflicted that i might learn your statutes you know a good illustration from the new testament is expressed by paul in romans chapter 5 verses 3 through 5 and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not disappoint. How do we get all the good things? Well, I hate to tell you this, but they come through tribulations and trials, folks. Lastly, is what I call crowning trials. Trials God allows just to bring glory to his name and accomplish his glorious promises. You know, Lazarus' death is an example of this. It was sad that Lazarus died, but God allowed it so that Jesus could raise him from the dead, revealing his power and Jesus' deity. Job is another example of one who was afflicted to bring glory to God, and teaching us about trials through the Book of Job. Right? I mean, this is something that we we may chafe at, we recoil from the idea of suffering to accomplish some some good purpose. But our attitude changes the more we know God, and the more we want to serve His purposes uh, and, and and be a participant in. The king, his kingdom on earth. So, in 2 Corinthians chapter four, what is Paul? He, he he details a quick list of all the suffering, you know, that he endured to serve his God. He, the troubles, distresses, um, perplexity, and per persecution. Uh, you know, does he resent it? I didn't see any of that in there. He says in in, in verse um, seventeen. For our light affliction, which is only for a moment, is achieving for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. What a powerful way to look at this. I mean, what a great way to, to live. We don't know for sure which of these reasons God allowed Naomi to suffer for the tribulation she did. Her problems could have been the direct consequence of her and her husband's decisions to move away from the house of bread and praise the pagan uh, worldly land of Moab. If so, she had no one to blame for her troubles but herself and her husband. But she didn't see it that way. Now, here's the other thing, you know, note how Naomi developed a wrong view of God's dealings in her life. In verse 13, in the latter part of that verse says, for it grieves me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is turned against me, she said. Now that all, that's almost a blasphemous thing to say, isn't it? I mean, if her trials were consequential in nature, that is, you know, the consequences of her and uh, Elimelech's decisions, it wasn't the Lord's hand that was against her. She was living out of the consequence of bad choices. If they were God's discipline on specific sins or sin patterns in her life, then they were really a good thing meant to bring her back into God's will and fellowship. Whatever the reason, God always uses our trials for a good purpose in our lives. We're going to see that later. I mean, my point is that no matter what the reason for her trials, her anger against God was misplaced and the result of a heart not resting in God's goodness. Now, look at, look at verse 20. And she said to them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt with me. Has dealt bitterly with me. Now, what what did she mean by this? Remember that the, the the meaning of the names was more important in ancient society than today. And in the book of Ruth, the meaning of names is essential to understand the book. Naomi means pleasant, while Mara again means bitter. So she was saying, in effect, don't call me pleasant anymore. Call me the opposite of that. Call me bitter because I am just a bitter old woman. Now, why was she telling everyone to call her bitter instead of pleasant? She tells us at the end of verse 20 through verse 21, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. In verse 21, I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Now, listen, folks, Naomi had become bitter against God. She was questioning God's goodness and wisdom in his dealings with her. Why did God do this to me? I don't deserve this. He's got a vendetta against me. Now, before you judge... Naomi too harshly. Let's be honest and admit that though we may not have had the level of resentment as Naomi did, probably most of us also have questioned the Lord's dealing in our lives at one time or another, have we not? I mean, but to do so is is to look at our trials through the eyes of unbelief. In the end, the Lord has a purpose in what he wants to accomplish in our lives. And trials are the tools God uses to mold and form us. Just as with a diamond in the rough where the craftsman must take sharp tools and chip away the rock growing around the diamond to reveal its glorious beauty, so must God, the master craftsman, use tools and as trials to chip away the, the things in our lives that, Do not conform uh, uh, to his character and will in our lives. There is a sermon entitled "Let the the pain remain," and there is a, a Chinese proverb in that sermon that says, "A gem is not polished without rubbing, nor a man made better without trials." Sure, it doesn't feel good to go through abrasive moments of trials and problems, and sometimes they are reoccurring. Remember this, life is full of rubbing shoulders and exchanging words. Every time life would seem to cut you and grind you, it means God is working in you to make you a better you. The last thought I want us to look at is that Naomi's bitterness against God was bad for her. It's bad for us too. Verse 19, And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them and they said, Is this Naomi? The people were shocked. The last person they expected after all these years was Naomi. And I'm sure some of the surprise was in how she had aged, what she looked like. But I wonder if something else is intimidated here. Doctors tell us that bitterness, bitter people clench and grind their teeth, resulting in a characteristic hard set of the jaw and angry-looking wrinkle lines we often sometimes see with bitter people. I've seen that. Whatever the reason for their surprise and seeing Naomi, notice Naomi's cynical view of God in verse 21. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. She says, I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Naomi had developed a, a, a this this uh, uh, pessimistic mindset where she saw only bad in her circumstances. The truth was that she did not return empty. She had Ruth, her greatest asset, but that's what bitterness does. It blurs your vision to God's goodness and blessings. You know, each trouble we experience is like a pebble. You hold it too close to your eye and it feels the whole world and puts everything out of focus. Hold it proper view distance and it could be examined and evaluated in a more reasonable and accurate perspective. Throw it at your feet and it could be seen in its true setting. Just one more bump in a pathway of eternity. Now let me say that we have no right to judge Ruth too harshly because I doubt that anyone here has our spouse and two of our kids, but it would be hard for that not to deeply affect you at one level or at least for a little while. It would be easy to question God, but in the end God calls us to trust him in the mindset of loss and grief and pain and and trial, doesn't he? Jim Moore wrote a book entitled, You Can Grow Bitter or You Can Grow Better. He writes that he got the idea for the title from a young man who once came to him in a most tragic moment in, uh, in his life. He had tears in his eyes, and his knuckles were white as he twisted the handkerchief. He had just received word that his 26-year-old wife had been killed in a farming accident, leaving him alone with three preschool-age kids. One moment, uh, she was alive and, and, and vibrant, and the next moment, she was gone. He sobbed, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get along without her. But I do know one thing, I can either get bitter or I can get better. In our times of sorrow or trial, you have to do two choices. You can either grow bitter or you can grow better. So let me leave you with this. Don't fall into the Naomi trap by becoming bitter against God for those dealings in your life. Let me share some things with you to help you if that's where you are now or in the future. First, remember that if you're facing great problems and trials as a believer, you're in good company. The Bible is replete with good people who went through awful trials. Moses suffered the chronic grumbling of and opposition from the Israelites. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers, falsely accused by an evil temptress, and imprisoned on false charges. Job, the most righteous man on earth, in his day lost everything he had, his belongings, his children, and his health. David was bedeviled by troubles and and, uh, opposition from the moment he was anointed king until his death. The Old Testament prophets were persecuted mercilessly. Jesus Christ was hounded his whole ministry by hostility and was finally executed. The apostles faced many trials and persecutions. No wonder Peter says in 1 Peter 4.14, Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trial that is to try you, as though something strange happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that... When his glory is revealed, ye may be overjoyed. Peter is telling us, when you go through the trials, don't get bitter, get bitter. And second, recognize that God has a purpose in trials, as we were talking about earlier. He knows what he is doing in your life and what is best for you. And he gives us that hopeful promise in Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that God causes and he works all things for our good, for those that love him, who are called according to his purpose. And may God give you the strength to trust that promise. And last, never forget that God is always righteous and good in all things. Psalm 145 was written by David in one of those soaring odes to God. And all he is, he waxes eloquently, about God's splendor and majesty and power in the first part of the psalm and in the second half deals with God's good hand in our lives. In verse 17, he said something important that that the Lord is righteous in all his ways and gracious in all he does. He is righteous in all his ways. It means that no matter what you are experiencing, God is just and fair and fair and holy in how he deals with you and that God is gracious in all he does you know i chose the word gracious here because no other word can translate it the way i think that it would be right faithful merciful loving compassion even holy and why are we why are we so you know So worried about that. God is gracious to us, even in our trials. The problem here is understanding that God loves us through our trials. When when we think that no one else can, no matter what your trial is in life, God has a special loyalty, love, mercy, compassion, care, and faithfulness for you. And it is all to uphold his holiness and to build his holiness in your life. This is an assurance that no matter what the trial you are in, God will be with you. He will help you in it. He has your best interest at heart. And he will work out your for good whatever you're going through. And last. Remember that what you're going through is not the end of the story. In this passage, we see Naomi complaining and griping about God. But notice the last phrase in verse 22 of our text. They came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. The rest of the story is how God brought them at exactly the right time to exactly the right field where God had prepared exactly the right man for Ruth to meet who would be the answer to all Ruth's and Naomi's problems. Naomi could only see sorrow, but God was preparing to bring great joy into her life. You see, often sorrow—often our deepest sorrows are the prelude to God's greatest blessings. Something that comes to my mind is Psalm 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Can you believe in that promise? I mean can you claim it when you're in you're in the deepest darkest trial uh, that you're going through the next time you're in a fiery fiery trial remember god has a purpose in it he will be gracious and get you your get you through it by his graciousness he will turn your trial into good In your life, there will be a blessing to come that is greater than today's pain. I can promise you that. Don't get bitter in the time of trial. Get better by humbly submitting to God's dealing in your life and trusting in God's good hand. Hey folks, the only reason why I'm telling you this is because I have experienced it in my own heart. Time after time after time. Don't get bitter, get better. Don't have people look and say, Is that? And call your name. Have them look and say, Hey, that's so-and-so. Man, what? God must be doing something in their life. I trust this has been a blessing to your heart. Remember to encourage the believer. Does the body good. Until next time. God bless. Thanks for joining us on Encourage the Believer. If you like what you hear, be sure to follow the podcast and share with your friends. See you next time.